0: Thank you for joining us as we elevate the Black Entrepreneur Experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Francis Richards. Our next guest is creating a world that celebrates Blackness in all forms. And he is co-founder and CEO of an all-in-one community platform for all creators and Web3 communities. Welcome, Brylan Markle.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate
0: you for having me. I'm really excited. Let's jump right in. Fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you'd like them to know about you and 7th Ave.
1: Yeah, no, so um, like Dr. Francis uh, said, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of 7th Ave. Uh, I'm originally from Kansas, um, but have spent most of my time uh, working in big tech. So the last tech company before starting 7th Ave Uh, I was at the pay over time company, a firm. Uh, Then from there, during the pandemic, had an idea, got a group of friends together and we were all like, hey, let's do this thing. Um, And so that led to the birth of Seventh Ave, where I'm currently based in Atlanta and we're building it from there. But really with Seventh Ave, uh, what we're striving to do, an opportunity that we see is, you know, over the course of the last decade, more and more folks have started to, you know, consider themselves as creators. So creators are becoming businesses in, uh, in of themselves. And so we really see an opportunity, especially um, within the black community, to provide them with tools, not only to, you know, grow their audience, but also to be able to make money and build community. And so that's kind of where we're sitting at right now.
0: Talk about why someone should join 7th Ave.
1: Yeah, so why why should people, uh, you know, folks join 7th Ave? The first thing is when we, um, you know, just talking to creators, uh, we realize that creators are using all these different platforms to serve their community. Rather, if it's distributing content, you know, uh, on IG or TikTok and things of that nature to, you know, then they're hosting um, their courses on, you know, platforms like Mighty Networks or Thinkific, um, or if they, you know, they're using Discord or Facebook groups for their community. So we saw an opportunity there to really centralize the tool, the toolkit that creators have um, and bring it all under one platform. The second, um, problem that we're seeking to solve as well is amongst the black community. There's a, there's a lot of creators that have built pretty good followings. And when I say that I'm talking about, you know, they fall in the range of a thousand to about 10,000 followers, but you know, they're still under the notion that a brand partnerships and things of that nature is the only way to, to be able to monetize. And we like to think differently. And so, um, we, we truly believe that, you know, by empowering creators to be able to, you know, have membership uh, communities, um, but also being able to sell digital and physical products, um, they can make a more sizable uh, kind of, you know, income from, from their creation. And so um, when looking at, you know, why should you join 7th Ave? Uh, yeah, everything that you love about, you know, the current platforms that you already use as a creator, you already, you can get that on 7th Ave. And so we, we simplified, you know, the current work stream for creators. <laughs>
0: We want to thank our listeners for joining in, and if you have a question for Brylan or myself, just let us know, and we will um, definitely let you chime in. So, talk about naming the platform Seventh Ave. Why the name Seventh Ave?
1: Yeah, not a great question. So, um, originally the platform uh, was named the Cookout, obviously because of the meaning and the association that it carries, uh, you know, across the black diaspora. But uh, we have ran into some trademark disputes around that. Uh, so we had to get creative around like, truly, what, what, what is another name that symbolizes everything that we want this platform to be, but more importantly, what we want this community to, you know, exist as. And so when we started to explore names, 7th Ave stood out for a few reasons. The first reason it stood out is seven is a, is a prime number. Um, meaning, you know, it only can be divided by itself. And so when we look at what we're trying to do, not only, you know, across the black diaspora, but also across the whole creator economy, we believe that we're stronger together than apart. The second thing is when it comes to, you know, the number seven, uh, it's a number of completion. And so we thought this was the perfect opportunity to really, you know, Bring, bring together that full holistic experience. Um, so that's why we named it that. And then the third thing as well is when we look globally, given we want 7,000 to be a global platform, numbers are recognizable across different cultures, you know, ethnicities, things of that nature. And so that's why we ended up going with the number seven.
0: Brylin, talk about Raising Capital, raising capital and Marlon Nichols of MACVC.
1: Yeah, no, nah, great question. So we've been lucky to uh, be able to raise, you know, venture capital from from some pretty, uh, you know, big names across the space, um, Marlin and, and Mac Ventures being one Arlen, uh, Hamilton and backstage capital being another. And then also Twitter uh, is also an investor in our company, along with 100 different uh, black angel investors as well. Um, but Marlin, um, I think, you know, he, he's, he's played a pivotal role and he's been super hands on throughout this process, helping us to, you know, not only uncover and discover new insights about like the community that we're building for, but also being kind of like, you know, that big brother that is helping us to see, see around the corner. And I think, you know, um, one of the big things that I've learned when it comes to raising funds, it's a relationship game. Um, and I think, you know, my relationship that goes back to my early days when I was at Blavity. Uh, which is a Mac Venture uh, portfolio company as well. That's where I originally met Marlin, and so we had built the relationship. We had had multiple conversations. He knew I was very entrepreneurial, and one day that you know I was going to jump off the porch and things of that nature. Um, so when 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 this opportunity presented itself, and you know he he really liked the solution that we were bringing to market, it was a no brainer. And so I think what I would recommend for founders is you know who are interested in raising funds really, um, I think we need to demystify what does it mean to raise capital? And I think it first starts, you know, by looking at these venture capitalists and angel investors and things of that nature as like get them to be your friend, because once you, you know, you do take their money, you know, you're in a marriage with them and you have to make sure that that relation is fruitful, you know, for both parties uh, over time. And so, yeah, that's what we've been able to do. And I think Marlin has been a great partner for us.
0: You um, did a deep dive and thank you so much for that, Brylin, about um, doing a deep dive into um, venture capitalists. What is something else we as um, entrepreneurs that we don't know about raising funds that we should know?
1: Now, that's a great question. Um, the first the first thing I think um, people people should know about you know raising funds is to really look at it as a as a sale process. Um, And I think that was one of the big things that, you know, I I learned early on in my journey when we were when we were raising our funds. Um, Essentially, what I mean by that is sales is a numbers game. And it's the same thing with, you know, raising venture capital. And so we had to reach out to over 300 different VCs um, in order to close, you know, a small percentage of them to, you know, raise over the three the three million dollar seed round that we were able to raise. And so I think, you know, the first misconception is, you know, people people think if you reach out to a handful of people like you know they're going to say yes and they're going to give money that's that's just not the real reality you're going to have to put in some work but i think the back thing of that as well is you know you also have to have a strategy so one of the things that we we did when we were you know raising funds was we prioritized you know the 300 different investors that we wanted to reach out to with the first few investors that we were reaching out to you know being kind of like test calls where we can learn the questions and get into the psychology of different investors. So when we got to the people that we did want to actually, you know, partner with, hey, we already knew what they were coming with. The third thing that I would say as well is when it comes to, you know, just the pitch deck and things of that nature, too often, we, I, I think in the early days, um, we, like to, we like to think that, you know, there's a one size fit all. And I think how you pitch when you, you're a pre-seed or a C-stage company versus when you're serious A and kind of beyond, it's totally different. And in the early days, you really got to rely on your story, your vision, and more importantly, like the team that is building this. And so I think when it comes to, you know, that those things of, uh, you know, in in relation to investing, those are typically things that are overlooked and we tend to over index on things that just aren't important. And so I would say that. But um, the last thing I would say that I kind of just learned across this as well is, like I said earlier. Money, this money game is a relationship game. So um, as founders and as builders, like make sure you're building those relationships rather if it's with other founders who can introduce you to their investors or, you know, um, also just, you know, other VCs and things of that nature. Just reach out. Just want to learn like and, and, and don't don't try to position yourself where like you need them more than they need you. Just because if they do decide to invest in you, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of complexity that I, I can get into when it comes to, like, you know, the deals and things of that nature. You're not going to have any leverage. And so those are just some of the things that I've learned, you know, uh, raising our, 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 our seed round.
0: Great information. And we want to thank our audience for joining in. And if they have a question, just let us know. Brylin, fill in the gap. Thank you, pandemic, because.
1: Thank you, pandemic, because it provided us—I uh, think it provided builders and creators a lot more time to explore the ideas that they that they have.
0: Now, talk about someone um, joining the app. If, in fact, the app is available both for Android and iPhone users?
1: Yeah, that is correct. So we currently exist, um, you know, on on iOS and Android platforms. We're in the process of rolling it out via web as well. But it's as simple as, you know, just setting up your account, which gives you uh, the ability to have a link in bio, you know, um, similar to like Linktree. Then that account then gets you access, uh, gives you the ability to be able to sell products and things of that nature, in addition to, you know, starting your own kind of, you know, private community. Um, so, yeah, it's it's as simple as that. And it's it's been fun because um, we we're actually just having one conversation in the application this morning where more people were joining and they were talking about the whole honeypot situation that's going on. And so it's pretty dope to see people like join the product, get feedback and things of that nature. But something that I I'm falling in love with is the fact that people are actually building real world connections. And so that's, that's, that's really what I'm here for to like help creators continue to build that out. Um, And it, it excites me.
0: What problem exists in the world today that you would like to solve?
1: What problem exists in the world today that I would like to solve? I think when, um, that's a great question. So there there's a few of them, um, and, and I'll, I'll share how, um, you know, why, why I care about them, but also like how we're attacking it. The first problem is, um, I think, you know, the old way of doing things has created a lot of barriers to opportunity, but more importantly, financial and social mobility for a lot of people, not only in this country, but across the world. And so when I'm looking at the tech space and, you know, what happened with the democratization of, you know, information, With like Google and things of that nature, but also what is happening now, um, you know, for creators and things of that nature, you know, because of social media and things and and stuff like that. Um, I think there's a real possibility, especially as Web3 continues to grow um, for, 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 for the democratization of just you know business like these you're seeing the unbundling of these big institutions rather if it's you know political or you know e-commerce or or e- or even like media where individuals are starting to be become like their own kind of like entities and so i'm very bullish on that and i want to help like uh uh you know continue to you know grow grow that space just because it's gonna i believe it's gonna provide more opportunities to people to make a living wage and like be able to feed their families uh and things of that nature. The second problem that i like i care a lot about is when it comes it, it, it's when it comes to ownership and so I was fortunate like i said earlier to you know have worked in you know big tech and you know, coming from a family you know in wichita kansas where I'm the oldest of, you know, seven kids and and things of that nature. I didn't know anything about tech. I didn't know anything about, you know, like, uh, equity packages. I never saw anybody like owning anything and things of that nature. But when I had that opportunity, you know, working under max left, over at a firm and just kind of seeing how he was building that out and then taking, you know, a firm to, you know, an IPO and then, uh, being able to, you know, have equity and then that, you know, leading to a little bit of wealth. Like I was like, wow. What does it look like for a company that does want to hire other people of color to be able to empower them that way? And so that's a problem that like I really want to solve, because I think there's a lot of you know conversation when it, specifically when it comes to the black community and the wealth gap around like, hey, we need to si- solve the pipeline problem and filter more black folks into these other tech companies, which is cool, which is great. But also we need to empower ourselves to build our own. And once we do build our own, we need to equip our, you know, community with this equity um, so that they can have uh, wealth and value and what they're helping, helping build. And so those are two problems that I really care about right now.
0: Rylan, tell us the story around that aha moment when you knew 7th Ave was going to be successful.
1: Yeah, no, nah, I, I, I would say we're still working on the process of, uh, uh, figuring out uh, what, 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 what success is going to look like in achieving that. Um, we're, we're we're definitely getting a few um, kind of like micro moments where we're seeing it, but essentially what gave, what, what even birthed it 7th Ave was, you know, I'll never forget it. It was during the pandemic um, summer of 2020 and we were on Clubhouse and There was an incident that happened with a few black women and when uh they brought it up to you know the 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 co-founders they told those women to vote with their feet and i'll never forget it like i built a website very quickly um my roommate at the time got on stage and said like hey we're building a cookout and 300 people signed up at night but over the course of the next few weeks literally hundreds of thousands of people started to sign up for our platform and so i think that was the first Um, measure of success because it allowed us to be able to gauge demand and interest in a solution like this, um, given, you know, with, with, with minimal resources. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs who invest a lot of their upfront capital without actually like testing their assumptions before going deeper into it. And so I think that was one measure of success that we, that we've achieved. But additionally, in terms of us, like one of the big things that we're, we're, we're working to solve right now is the cold start problem. Where, you know, essentially you got to go before you can go, you know, to a, to a million or whatever, you got to go from zero to one. And that's the toughest platform, you know, you know problem that, you know, platforms like call in seven, five, whatever, like we face. And so um, one of the big things that, you know, I've just been super grateful for is since the early day, we have been listening to our community. We have been on the front lines with our community, but more importantly, like building with them. And I think when you empower your community um, and, and, and kind of like you, uh, the, the, the network that you're building to, 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 to have real um, power in shaping what they're going to be using, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of wins that can come from that. And so um, we're still like I said, we're still in the early days working to like, oh, escape that cold start problem. But we've had some tangible like, you know, um, success in terms of verifying that we are focused on the right problem. Our assumptions, uh, you know, sometimes they're wrong, but, you know, we're able to quickly learn. Uh, But more importantly, the thing that, you know, I think people always praise about us is like, we do listen to the community and then we do execute on what we say we're going to do. And so those are the inputs that give me confidence that 7th staff will be successful in the future.
0: Advice you wish you had followed.
1: That's a great question. Um, So some advice that um I wish I would have followed is yeah in the in the early days just trust your gut and um what I, what I mean by that is I think just kind of being a first time founder um there's a lot of there's you got to have the humility around like what you don't know um and I think that can lead you to not trust your gut and to have doubts which is totally natural and okay uh but additionally but additionally, it'll, it'll have you over indexing on, you know, to, to, to pieces of advice and things of nature that, you know, people who aren't studying the problem and, you know, walking uh, and talking to, to, to your users uh, uh, just don't have. And we did that in the early days where we did listen to a lot of what investors were saying. We did listen to a lot of what our, our advisors were saying. It's, and it's not to say they weren't giving great, great advice and things of that nature. I personally just believe they just weren't in it you know, as deep as we were, and, and that's totally okay, because they have other things that they need to focus on. And so what I would say is, you know, when it comes to, you know, for entrepreneurs, I'm a true believer in, you know, having strong opinions, but keeping them loosely held. So like, you have to be able to discern and think for yourself around, like, does this actually make sense for, for my situation and for what we're currently facing today? Um, and, 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 and And if you believe it doesn't, like really trust your gut. Um, and, and because at the end of the day, this game is all about iterations. And that's just something like as a leader of, you know, 7th Ave, I've grown more comfortable and confident in in saying like, hey, you know what? Like if I don't think that's something, you know, we, we, we should implement or should, you know, um, uh, just kind of build upon. Like I'm confident in saying no nowadays where, you know, in the early days I was kind of shy about it.
0: What is the best decision you've made as a leader?
1: What is the best decision that I've made as a leader? Um yeah, I think I, I think the best decision that I've made as a leader has been putting the people first. Um and the, rather if that's our community, but more importantly our team. And there's two distinct moments um that have occurred with our with our team, um, that had, that have kind of given me that confidence. The first, the first one is I'll never forget um, when we were hiring engineers. We had over a hundred engineers reach out to you know work for Seventh Ave. Which you know, obviously, you always hear about this pipeline problem, but hey, hundreds of black engineers applied for us. Um, and the thing, the thing about that was when we went through that whole process, the best engineers that came out of that, you know, they actually. coming from boot camps and things of that nature and one of the engineers that we ended up signing was he was based out of uh the barbados like he performed the best on the test and you know things of that nature um and i'll never forget uh just because you know for transparency we're offering you know san francisco you know base uh you know salaries for software engineers and obviously that's not what the cost of living uh is in, in 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 barbados but you know it was a decision around like do we want to save that money or do we want to stand on our principles and we stood on our principles there and i'll never forget he started crying and in in he he was just articulating like you don't know what this is going to do for me and my family and i think that was one of those moments where i was super proud in that decision um the second time as well is you know when building companies sometimes it's not going to work out when when, when, when between uh, team members, sometimes you have different visions. Sometimes you have different ways that you want to approach things, and sometimes you, you know, you do have to make those hard calls as a leader to, you know, or, you know, part ways. And I think that uh, we did have to part ways um, with one of our co-founders, and that was one of the hardest, uh, you know, decisions that I've ever had to make in my life because, you know, that was my best friend. Um, but in the long run, I knew it was, you know, going to be better not only for the company. But, you know, for, for that co-founder as well, just because the direction and what we thought, you know, we, we, we were building, you know, at that time was ultimately going to end up changing. And so, yeah, like, that's the best decision that I've made is like making sure that I always put this team, um, this team first. And as a result, um, I know for a fact when things have gotten rocky with 7th Ave, um, all those people, you know, everyone on my team, they're people that I would take into an alley with me and into any fight, and they're bought in, um, and and that's just something you know that is priceless.
0: What is your company's culture?
1: Nah, great question. So, man, it's actually really crazy because you know one of the big uh, things popping up across Web three right now is this idea of a decentralized autonomous organization, and I like to think that we pretty much. We're operating that way before you know things. Um, before before that term even became popularized, and uh, so my my team we've some of, when we first got together, a lot of us didn't even know each other. Um, it was just simple Instagram messages, LinkedIn messages of like, "Hey, I think this is dope. I want to work on it. Cool." Um, and so it's really been. Uh, I would say. We're, we're, we're a team filled with a lot of passion um, that come from a host of different backgrounds, it, which has contributed to that you know, mission of celebrating blackness in all its forms. Um, but additionally, everyone, we, we, we like to believe in a culture of meritocracy where the best ideas win. And I know where essentially, like I said, I'm, I have strong opinions, but if someone on my team comes with a better idea, bet, let's try it out. The other thing that I would say as well, we've built a culture of learning. So we view everything as an experiment, like nothing is ever final. Like we, we we understand that, you know, there are going to be times where we're going to make, you know, the right assumption, and that's going to lead to positive income uh, outcomes and, you know, impact. But most of the time we are going to make a lot of, you know, wrong assumptions and, and, and we're going to have to move fast. And I've just appreciated my team being open to, you know, us getting things wrong, but also being willing to, you know, show uh, basically shed old patterns and old ways of thinking to align ourselves with truth. And then the last thing I would say about our our, our team culture um, is something, you know, I'll, I remember watching a U- YouTube video years ago where uh, Chamath polyptia when he was, you know, Leading growth over at Facebook, he said, um, "You can't believe your, your you can't believe your own bullshit." And that's one of been one of the things that we've really embraced as a team as well, because it's very easy for entrepreneurs. I've seen it. it you know, we ran into this in the early days where we were believing you know everything that we were thinking without kind of testing those assumptions, and it, it, it will lead you down uh, the wrong path you know, really fast, um, and, 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 it will essentially kill your company. And so those are things I'm proud of when it comes to, you know, our company culture that we've been able to build, um, and, and, and have contributed to our success as a team.
0: Tell us your why, why did you start 7th Ave?
1: Yeah. Why did I start 7th Ave? Um, yeah, so I think it just ties back to those two problems that I outlined earlier where, you know, one, going back to, you know, really caring uh, about social and financial mobility and having that firsthand experience, you know, kind of growing up the way that I did. Um, it's, that, that has always kind of touched my heart and I think kind of working in big tech that even, you know, put fuel to the, to, to the flame just because, yeah, most of the time I was the only one that looked like me. Um, you know, working at these companies and then also just understand having that experience of, you know, what ownership can do when you're a part of great teams and you build something of value. And so really my why comes back to, you know, I definitely want to be someone that contributes uh, uh, to making the world a better place. But, you know, I look at, I look at at myself as like a coach. The way I want to achieve that is by helping others be successful. And I think, you know, Uh, there's a lot of people that share a common mission. And if you can get those brilliant people, you know, who have that passion for that mission together, there's some unique things and and pretty beautiful things that can come out of that. And so my why is really, you know, tied back to like, how can I help people become better people, you know, by using the vehicle of business to solve hard problems for the world.
0: Brylin, what is your best discovery?
1: What is my best discovery? Um, my be- I would say my best discovery is yeah I, I, yeah I would, I, I, yeah I would say my best discovery is I would say mentors and what I mean by mentors is I think it's you know often when you hear the word mentor um typically you you like to think that that's physical. But one of the things that uh, one of my mentors, uh, her name is Beth, um, she told me early on was like mentors can come from anywhere, rather if it's books um, or if it's just people that you follow on Twitter. And for me, you know, just viewing the world through that lens, I I believe I can learn from anyone and I already have the confidence that I can learn anything in the world um, and, and, and apply it. And so that has just kind of been something that uh, uh that has fueled me and continue to propel me um just because as i learn more i i, I start to see how much i don't know um and, and it just provides a new lens in terms of you know how i can interact with the world and, and and make this world a more compassionate place um and so yeah i would say that's been the biggest thing uh for me it's like breaking that belief that you know mentors you know just have to be physical um and then on top of that just being really good uh with you know discovering the 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 best people to 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 find this information who are achieving the things that I want to do. And so most of the time, you know, I'm just thinking growing up in Wichita, Kansas, I would have never thought to, you know, that I would be able to talk to like Mark Adresen, you know, and and, and folks of that nature who have built these iconic companies. But guess what? I can follow their tweets. I can see what they're thinking and I can dive into it and form my own opinions based off the same sources of information that they have that they make. And so I've just been able to, you know, yeah, just learn a lot and, and, and just develop an expansive view and toolkit, um, you know, just from like, yeah, looking at, hey, mentors can come from anywhere.
0: There are so many brands and businesses that are dominating. Talk about a brand or business that's dominating that you admire and why.
1: Yeah, a brand or business. um, That is dominating and that's a really good question. And so one that I am, uh, I I really enjoy as well is, man, there's so, there's so many. Uh, Let me think of one. Let me think of one. Mm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of this app called Agape. Have you heard of it?
0: No, I have not.
1: Yeah. So um, actually, I feel like Agape is going to end up winning in the long term. Um, but they're a, a relationship wellness um, application. Um, and the product is, is super simple. It's partners can sign up. And each day, Agape provides you with new questions to spark, you know, insights and discovery um, between, you know, partners. And it was started by a black woman and uh i remember just joining in the early days and just to kind of see the evolution of the product um you know how how the market is receiving it and she's went on to you know raise venture capital from you know harlem capital um to me that is success like because she got this from nothing and so yeah that's one of the brands that you know um uh, just from a startup perspective that i've been following um and then in relation to in relation to like bigger brands that are doing well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of just a firm um, and having worked there and just kind of, you know, knowing the ins and outs of, of, of that business. They truly do mean it when they say, you know, honest financing all the way down to the policy decisions uh, around, you know, never charging late fees for, you know, late payments and things of that nature, all the way to how they design, you know, their algorithms and things of that nature to make those credit decisions, Uh, even to, you know, how the business is set up and it makes its money. Like, it's really a beautiful thing. And low key, it's an intricate piece of art um, that has taken place there. And so I'm just extremely grateful that you know, I was able to, you know, sit, have a seat at the table and just kind of learn these things. But more importantly, like Max Levchin, he was the founder of PayPal and just seeing, you know, how he was thinking about business, especially during the pandemic, was just eye opening. And so Agape and the firm would be two, you know, successful brands right now that, you know, uh, I really admire.
0: Thank you for sharing that. What have you not done in life that you dream about often that you would like to do?
1: Yeah. What is one thing I, great question. Um, Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would say, I would say build a family. And um, that's something that I dream about often. Just having come from, from, from a large family myself, um, it does put a lot of pressure on me just because, Yeah. I, I, I I'm i I'm the unicorn of the family like none of my siblings are doing what I'm doing none of my siblings you know went to college and things of that nature and it doesn't look like they will which is totally okay and there's, that, that's not anything to like kind of judge them on um but that does it does look in terms of like my family tree things are going to be you know pretty cyclical um and, and 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 things of that nature and so I do dr- dream of like you know building this family where I can financially support, uh, you know, my family's, you know, ideas uh, with the wealth that I've been able to create, but more importantly, help them travel the world. I never traveled when I was a kid. I didn't know. I couldn't tell you the difference between Kansas and California because I never left my state. Um, And I, you know, I know a lot of people just kind of growing up who still, you know, have not left. And so, yeah, Family is something that I dream about often, and I want to use the impact that I'm able to create through business as a vehicle, um, you know, to 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 build something unique there.
0: Brylan, I want you to have a monologue. I want you to name this person, living or not. They have inspired you so much. What are you saying to that person? And name that person.
1: Yeah, what am I saying to that person and name that person. So yeah, I would go ahead and just name that person. That, pe- that that person her name is Beth McClendon. Um uh she 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 she's just been super duper pivotal and she's made a ton of impact um just from she worked uh she was the first product manager at Netscape. Um her husband was the founder of Keyhole uh which was bought by, you know, Google um and he built Google Earth and Google Maps um and i just happened to meet them when you know i was uh going to school at the university of kansas and at that time i was working a service server job where uh, i literally for two years woke up at 5 a.m every morning and she would sit at the same table because they they owned a condo on top of on top of the hotel um every morning at 6 a.m she came got her coffee read her newspaper and it was just i'm just extremely grateful that she just happened to say, like, hey, I've been watching you for a year and a half grind. You're here on time every single day. What do you want to do? And she sat me down and she gave me the game on how to break into tech. And and, and she helped provide guidance. And so that just changed my life and in and, 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 and so many different ways and, and, and got me thinking in ways I was not thinking before. And so I would just say, like, Beth, I am extremely grateful. Um I I, 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 I yeah, I, I view you as like a motherly figure to me um, and everything that I have done and I will go on to do, it will be because you planted that seed in me and helped me get through tough moments when there were times I, I, I didn't, I, I couldn't see myself making it through. And so, yeah, Beth McClendon, she's her. She's, 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 she's damn near... I would say her, uh, and, and another person in my life, they've, they've had the most impact. Um, and I just want to continue to make, you know, them proud. Um, on top of that, you know, making my mom
0: and my grandpa proud as well. Talk about business continuity. What is your highest risk as a business owner?
1: Yeah. What is your highest risk as a business owner? Um, yeah, I think, I, I'm going to be honest, anything that impacts the money. Because without w- without the money, you don't have the time. And without the time, you can't build and you can't continue to move your business forward. And so, um, especially in the context of a startup, you know, a venture-backed startup, it's, it's, it's anything that either impacts revenue if you are bringing in revenue or impacts your ability to raise funds. And so one of the biggest risks that we're highly, Um, cognizant of right now is yeah we're potentially on the verge of going into a recession what does that mean when it comes to you know being able to raise uh, subsequent uh, rounds in the future Uh, and things of that nature because historically you know as the capital markets uh, grow up so do the private equity markets as well Um, and so yeah I would say I truly now understand what people mean when they say cash is king um, just because, like I said, without the cash, you don't have the time. And without the time, you can't continue to build.
0: Looking back, what are you most proud of?
1: Woo. Looking back, what am I most proud of? Um, yeah, what I would say I am most proud of is I'll never forget after freshman year in high school, um, actually there are a few moments actually, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna make them make all sense. Um, so just kind of growing up, um, yeah, I was, I was big in football. I actually went and played division one football at the university of Kansas as well. But when I was in the little league growing up, my head coach, um, coach Larry Randall, um, he was just, he was a legendary football coach in Wichita. His sons had went on to play, uh, in the NFL. He also, you know, had helped coach, you know, Barry Sanders, because Barry Sanders is from Wichita, Kansas. And I'll never forget, I think we were like in the second or third grade, he asked us, he was like, hey, which one, you know, which of y'all, you know, believe you're going to play Division One football? And, you know, me not knowing what, what what that meant or what that entailed and how I was going to do it, I was the only one that raised my hand. And he just overly invested in me all the way to, you know, it was I was one of the best athletes on our team. But I was also one of the smallest, and uh, he had me playing center. And if you know anything about center, these are usually your big boys because you're going against your big defense alignment and things of that nature. But he put me in that position to help toughen me up. And then it was during you know the good games where we played the, 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 the good teams that he would have me play more of the, you know like your quarterback, cornerback and things of that nature. But then that led me to, you know another uh, moment that I'm proud of is when I got to high school. I was prepared to, you know, play with the big boys. And luckily, you know, I was able to play varsity football um, early on, but I'll never forget. um, After my freshman season, my vice principal at the time, Mr. Cotton, uh, he literally came to me and he said, I think you can be great. And I think you can do this damn thing. And I think, I I think, I think you can truly play division one football. Um, And he said, but are you willing, are you willing to put in the work? I didn't know what that meant. All I did was say yes. And from saying yes to that moment, Mr. Cotton turned out. He used to, you know, he was a legendary football coach that I used to coach in Texas um, and things of that nature. And literally he gave me, he provided every single resource I any athlete would ever need for me to be able to fulfill my dreams all the way to like in Wichita, they they have this, you know, arena football team in um, the, the, and, 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 and like their stadium. He, he somehow got that open every night. Every night at 9 p.m. didn't matter if it was, you know, after a football game or whatever. We would be in there putting in work all the way to because he was the vice principal principal of the school, he could open up the school early. So literally from sophomore year all the way through senior year, I did not miss a single workout because he would come pick me up. He would drive across town and we would be in the gym at 5 a.m. working out, things of that nature all the way to then even after school and even after football practice. He hired tutors to help me, you know, learn the ins and outs. He placed me in gifted classes. So I was around brilliant people and things of that nature. And so it was those two moments specifically, um, I'm extremely proud of because they were compounding moments that have helped open up what I consider destiny and purpose.
0: What is your zone of genius?
1: What is my zone of genius? Um, I would say my zone of genius is my ability to take in um, information, synthesize it, be able to think about it in an original way, and then be able, like, just have the courage to go out there and try it. Um, I think that's, that's where, you know, I work in my genius.
0: Looking forward, where do you hope? For Seventh Ave to be in the next five years,
1: yeah. So in the next five years, um, we're we're we're, we're going to be saying Seventh Ave um, is a, is the essential infrastructure for creators to be able to get paid being themselves. Um, same way, same way today, you know, water and things of that nature are utilities that are like must haves. Seventh um, Ave will be a must have for all creators. Um, if not in, in, in the U.S., hopefully globally as well.
0: What book would you recommend and why?
1: What book would I recommend and why? Um, yeah, Zero to One um, uh, by Peter Thiel. Beautiful book. And I think he its actually quite uh, unorthodox because it's not a lot of stuff that you would actually get in your traditional like B school or hear from like your traditional kind of business leaders. Um, and I think, you know, his whole idea of, you know, around this idea of like competition and, you know, starting small and things of that nature I recommend that book to uh, all entrepreneurs because it's going to get you thinking totally different around not only how you build product and, you know, you build your company, but also how you attack markets and you're very strategic about doing so.
0: Again, we want to thank our audience for joining us. And if anyone has a question, don't hesitate to let us know. Brylan, what is the one thing that you are doing that is impacting people's lives?
1: Nah, great question. Um, so yeah, I would, i would just say outside the context of just kind of like Seventh Ave, um, I'm a big believer in each one teach one. So uh, outside of Seventh Ave, I like to meet with different entrepreneurs, um, especially uh, entrepreneurs of color that have not, um, you know went through the different things, you know, that I've went through and, and may not have the lessons or the information that I have or the relationships. And I like to equip them with that. Um, just because I do believe right now is the time to build. And the one thing I would hate for, you know, people who have that aspiration uh, to have to experience is, you know, doubt, or this idea of like, hey, because I don't know, I I, I don't want to get started. And so outside of just 7th Ave, I meet with a lot of different entrepreneurs where I help advise them on, you know, things uh, such as like fundraising, or even if it's like their product strategy or, you know, helping them come up with innovative business models. Um, It's just something that I I, I truly enjoy and I have people do for me. Um, So it's only right that I do it for others.
0: Who are your top two influencers in your life and what lessons do they teach you?
1: Yeah, so who are my top two influencers in my life, and then um, what what lessons did they teach me? Um, man, actually, this is crazy. So the first one I would say, um, like I said, um, I would say Beth, and one of the things that she she taught me, and I'll never forget it, was you know um, the builders always win, and um, I remember she sat me down at a table, uh, and she was like, if you want to break into tech tech, you need to build something. And so uh, it was actually crazy because when I was in college, I actually dropped out for a year um, and attempted to build a digital bank. And then when I even came back, she was like, "just Just make sure that you pass your classes, you know, with at least D's, um, but spend majority of your time actually, you know, continuing to build and like hone your skills because." when you when you do interview for these big tech companies, you're going to have this portfolio of all these different projects and things that you've actually tangibly built and got real world feedback on rather than just, you know, this theoretical knowledge. And so Beth is definitely one of them. And then someone else that I would add as well is um, he's actually he's actually on our team, um, but I consider him like a big brother to me. Um, and, and his name is Jaydren. Uh He's a realist. And I think uh the thing i really appreciate about jay is um he, he he's not afraid to to make those hard calls and to make those have those you know difficult conversations and one of the things that he did teach me was you know when you frame something as a tough conversation or a hard conversation it's going to naturally be that and so um, that's just very important because i feel like it's it's made me a leader and you know as any leader or any builder kind of knows there are going to be times where, you know, things are, there, there, there's going to be some friction. And if, if you can't have those, you know, conversations uh, with people, especially to help raise them back up to, you know, your bar or communicate when, when, when things aren't meeting the expectations, um, you essentially become an enabler. And, and when you, what you enable essentially will help, you know, either lead you to success or failure. And so those are the two people um, that I would say have been, you know, huge influences in my life.
0: Braylon, let's talk about legacy. When it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered?
1: Yeah, not a great question. And so, um, I actually have this written, uh, in a doc that Beth had me write right before I graduated, uh, school in 2018. Um, but from a professional lens, I I just want to be known as a leader that helped his people, you know, become better people. Um, And and, and that's just truly, you know, how I just want to show up, you know, through my work, but also the impact that I'm able to have on communities. Um, And then from just kind of a business standpoint, like, I want to be remembered for, you know, helping uh, communities of color, um, you know, uh, increase their social and financial mobility. And then, um just kind of overall, just kind of summing that up, the last thing is, Brylan was a family man. Brylan took care of his home. Brylan loved his wife. Brylan, you know you know, gave his kids experiences that you know equipped them with the the right values and mental models to be able to you know go out there and li- live productive lives as well. And so, yeah, those are the things that I care about, and you know i'm I'm taking actionable steps right now um to write that legacy.
0: Rylan, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it. Yeah,
1: no, that's a great question. Um, the one question I, w- I, I would have asked myself is like. Yeah, it's cool that you have all this confidence. It's cool that you've taken all this risk, um, but what scares you? And my answer to that question would have been. Um, just this idea that I still grip with this insecurity that I don't have no safety net and there's nothing for me to fall back on. And so that's what continues to push me and propel me forward and make makes me, you know, want to go so hard. Because in my head, like, yeah, rather if it's, you know, working um, you know, at big tech or uh, you know, building seventh Ave, if that doesn't work out, I don't I can't run back to my family. Or you know think think things of that nature. Like I can't you know rely on my family to be able to say like hey like you know I get I get I get that you l- lost your job come home you know live with us you know we'll make sure that you're good until you get back on your feet. I have to do that, um, and so that's just something that like continuously scares me, um, which makes me uh, uh, be very intentional around the decisions that I'm making, but also where I spend my time. Um, And so, yeah, that would be the question that I would ask and the answer that I would provide.
0: As an entrepreneur, self-care is so important. And I've heard that self-care is physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. Which one, and you can only pick one, is speaking to the which one is speaking to you today and why?
1: Yeah, um, in terms of self-care, I would say it's spiritual. Uh, and yeah, just because when it comes to entrepreneurship, um, essentially, it's, it's, it, it flips the whole kind of, you know, mental model around Do you start with the outcome or do you start with the inputs where when you're a consumer or I would even say, you know, sometimes being an employee in these companies, you only see what has been outputted, such as, you know, I only see, you know, what Instagram, you know, is providing me versus what now when I'm a builder, it's all about what you put in because you start to learn, you know, that the world is very uncertain. And so I'm in this place where it comes, where when it comes to like self-care, um, Actively just trying to, you know, be more, more, more spiritual and lead on that just because, yeah, like all I can do is, you know, put the work in and then hope for, you know, you know, the, the kind of the best just because what I've learned is you, we live in a world of certainties, um, you know, not nece- I mean, a world of probabilities, not necessarily certainties. So nothing is 100%. Everything has a probabilistic, you know, you know, probability that you can can assign to it, and so I'm just extremely grateful. um, And I feel like you know, God has definitely brought uh, uh, the 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 resources and pieces um, to help carry me uh, along this journey. One of the most important being, you know, my my girlfriend Lena. Um, And yeah, rather if it's through like her newsletter that she does, uh, uh, that's faith based and about creating your relationship the relationship that you have, you know, uh, with God or, you know, or, or whatever interview that you kind of believe in, um, or even the conversations that we have, or even her just praying over me. Like, that is much needed, um, just because sometimes uncertainty is a lot to, you know, carry on my shir- shoulders.
0: We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. I'm going to give you a series of questions, and I'd like you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the rapid round of fun? I'm excited. Your favorite color? Uh, Blue. Your ideal car? Kia K5. Your favorite holiday? Don't have one. Workout or hit the couch? Workout. What food you eat every week, no matter what? Sushi. Your favorite singer or rapper? Larry June. Your favorite dance song?
1: Uh Passion Fruit by Drake.
0: You relax doing what? Reading. The last movie you saw? Blood Sisters. Brylan Marco, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast Live. Before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to join 7th Ave, the platform. Feel free to leave all your social media handles.
1: Yeah. Um, well, first, first and foremost, Dr. Francis, I appreciate... Um, uh, you just even, you know, having me on the podcast, it's an honor and also a privilege for me to be able, you know, to have this space to be able to kind of share my story. Um, but when it comes to just following me, you can find me on social media, Brylon Markel um, on, on Twitter, uh, but also Instagram as well. Seventh uh, Ave, the best way to kind of connect with us as well is across all social platforms. The handle is pull up on Seventh. Uh, and then you can go to our website, which is also the, 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 the same as well. So pull up on seventh.com there, you'll be able to find links, um, to, you know, either download us from iOS or, you know, the Android app stores, uh, and just, you know, follow our journey, but also, you know, become a part of our community and never hesitate, you know, to reach out if you have any questions, uh, or, you know, there's something that's, uh, uh, kind of on your mind or even on your heart that you, you know, think you, you you would want to discuss with me. I'm always open. And like I said, the most important thing for me is each one teach one. And so however I can, you know, be a bridge to, you know, your purpose or uh, anything uh, that, that that you want to bring into the world, let me know. I would love to play that role.
0: Thank you, Brylin. That's a wrap.
1: I appreciate you, doctor.
0: Thank you, and thank our audience for joining us. We appreciate you.